Yeah, glory to God. Good to see you all here. Looks like we are missing a number of folks on our Labor Day weekend. But it's good to have you all, you all here. We're going to be in a number of places in the scripture. You can look up on the screen or flip through them as we go on through. But one of the years that we had gone down into Florida, we had taken a trip with the children and we had gone over to the uh, parks and the, the, the rides that they have in, in those places. And upon arriving at Universal Studios, the park that they had, we uh, came upon a ride that apparently usually has a long line. And we had gotten in there, and there was no line for it at all. And so we decided to go ahead and do this. Now, I hadn't seen any of the movies that had gone on, but how many have ever heard of or seen the Terminator movies? Well, I had not seen the Terminator movies, but I figured, well, the ride ought to be pretty good. Probably don't have to see the movie to see the to go on the ride. So we went in there, and you probably if you had seen the movie, a lot more of the pre-ride stuff would have made sense. But anyway, we went through the pre-ride stuff, and we saw that the uh, station that we were in was taken over by the foreign forces, and they ushered us into another room where we were seated, and uh, we watched these things uh, transfer on the on the screen in front of us, and there were actors in there, and and we had 3D glasses. And what went on was a number of things with the intention of deceiving you. The entire purpose of the ride was deception. They wanted you to think things were going on that were not. And so what they had done was they had taken these uh, compressed air nozzles and they had them all around your feet. And they had little, little nozzles up in the rafters that sprayed little tiny bits of water at the right time. And so what they did was they timed all these things of what was going on on the screen And at one point, a whole lot of rats were let loose on the screen, and it looked like they came down off the stage and onto the floor, and then you feel them at your feet. It's not the actual rats. It was just the compressed air being blown by. But since you saw the rats, you saw where the rats were going, and then you felt what looked like or it felt like rats, little tails brushing by you and things like that, you began to, th- and you hear the squeals going all through the, 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 the place there as people lifted up their feet and screamed and so forth because it was hard not to believe that the rats were not at your feet. At the end of the ride, there was this big uh, creature, whatever it was, made out of mercury, I believe it was, liquid mercury or some kind of thing like that. And at the end of it, they blew it up and it blew up and went all over. And as it went up into the air, it came down. And as it came down, they sprayed the little bits of water. And you felt this little bits of water hit you. And it felt like the mercury, the pieces of this beast, were coming down upon you. And it's hard to put that out of your mind because you just saw this explode. You just saw the things go into the air. And then you felt all this, this stuff come down. Have you ever been on one of those rides? where they mess with reality. We went over to SeaWorld after that, and we got on this helicopter ride. And there was a warning before you got on, because there was a destination of where you're going to go. It was to see the polar animals. And they were going to transport you to the polar uh, animal place. And if you had a bad heart, you were to take the land way. If you felt okay about your heart condition, 
you could go by air. And it was your choice which one you wanted to do. So we chose to go by air. And they loaded us into this helicopter-looking thing. And as we sat in there, they put on the screen, the viewfinder, where we were going. It's just like a, you, you could see where we were heading. And, of course, they timed the whole thing so that what was on the screen was coinciding with what was going on inside the cockpit. And, of course, we ran into trouble getting there. I'm sure that's not a surprise to anyone. And uh, it started flying all kinds of weird ways and having a hard time keeping it straight. And all of a sudden, we started going down, and we were going down into the water. And we hit the water, and when we hit the water, the entire uh, thing we were in felt like it hit the water. And then we were under the water, and we were going around, and we were doing different things. And, and the whole thing is just jerking around, and it's just moving around. And then finally, you get out of the water. They gain control of the craft, and they land where you're supposed to land. And they open up the gate so that you can get out. Now, you know, adults realized that we got in on the left side and we exited on the right side. But the younger ones weren't quite aware of that. And so I still remember the words of my son when we got in the, in the craft and we flew and we landed and then we got out. The entire atmosphere changed. You were no longer in a hot, dry or humid, uh, Florida en environment. You are now in a cool, humid, Arctic environment. And it felt different. It was different to breathe. Everything about it was different. And my son leans over to us and he goes, Dad, how are we going to get back? <laughs> they, they did the job with him. They, they convinced him. He was about six, I think, at the time. And if they did the job on him, they, they convinced them that we were going because they sent enough things to our minds to tell us that what doesn't make sense is happening is actually happening. Well, when we live in this world, we are taking in a whole lot of things that are telling us what's happening in our life is actually happening. But the Word of God tells us something different. And it comes down to which ones are we going to believe? I want to review some things with you that will help in what we're getting into today. Everybody remember the three realms where we face attack from? Any attack that comes against you will come from one of three realms, possibly more. Sometimes Satan's kingdom can stir up the world or, or things like that. But the three realms were Satan's kingdom, the substance of any attack from Satan's kingdom, is deception and wrong thinking. The Word of God calls them fiery darts. And they will, He will fling things at us to get us to think differently than what the Word tells us to think. In the garden, what did He do with Eve? Has God really said? He gets us to think about these things. Well, did God really say that? Hmm. Deception and wrong thinking. The second one was the world system. The substance there is conformity and pressure. The world tries to get you to get away from what God wants you to do by pressuring you to conform to its image instead of God's. And the last one is our flesh. The substance here is temptation and wrong desires. You will be tempted with wrong desires, desiring things that you're not supposed to have. But the Word of God says, don't go there. That will hurt you. Our defense for these things, when we face Satan's kingdom, our defense was to resist him, but first of all, we were to 
Submit. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That doesn't work with the world system. The world system, we need to know the world, uh, the, the word, because the world wants to get you off of the word. It can't stand the word. The world hates the word. It will hate the word in you. And we'll try and get you to come off of that. You need to hold to the word. Don't seek the world's approval. Just know they're not going to approve of what you do. Or it's blessings. Our defense comes from the word here. We have to know what it says and stay conformed to it. When I, the last one was against our flesh. When we face a battle there, bring it into subjection to your spirit. It comes from being disciplined and in authority. Our defense comes from our discipline and training. If you're going to have victory over your flesh, you can, you can quote the word out it all you want to, but it doesn't seem to work out all that well with that. So you still want to quote the word. The word's going to help you out. It builds up your spirit. But you've got to discipline your body. Paul said, I discipline my body. I bring it under. You've got to bring that body of yours, that flesh, under the control of your spirit. All right. We're going to take a look at some things here. We uh, put some, a little, little teaser up on Facebook if you're up there this morning. You would have seen that. But we're looking about being tempted to believe. Being tempted to believe. We are in a battle and the enemy is trying to get us to believe some things. And he will tempt us to have faith in and to believe in certain things. He's not against you having faith. He's against you having faith in the things of God. That's all. You can have faith in all that you want to. People that are atheists have faith that there is no God. It's an unfounded faith. They have faith that there is no God. People that uh, believe in uh, reincarnation have faith that they will come back. They have no evidence for it. But it's a faith thing. Some people say, well, in a previous life, I was this. <laughs> well, how do you know that? Well, I feel it. Okay. It's faith. No matter what, folks, we're going to have some faith for some things. <laughs> but the enemy wants to tempt you to believe the wrong things. You're going to see why as we get through here. Now, the Bible warns us about false teachers and false doctrine. We're going to take a look at some of the things it has to say about that so we can learn about where we're going here. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Now, when the world comes up and says, you can't be so close-minded, you've got to be open to other people and other opinions and other ways, what's the word say about that? No. Narrow. <laughs> Narrow is the way. That's the, that's the gate we want. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Narrow gate. How many of you have ever experienced something narrow? Now, one of my first experiences with, with something narrow is in cross country. In cross country, this is, how many of you have ever seen a road race? When you run a road race, you run on a road. They block off the road. The road is wide. When you run a cross country race, you are not running on a road. There are no roads in cross country. Cross country is paths. It is small trails. You run a race on trails. That's why they call it cross country. And so what you have to do and what you have to learn when you're, when you're doing this is it starts out fairly wide. 
because there's a lot of people in the race. They have to get everybody up in the finish line. But it won't stay that way. Before long, most times in a half mile, it will narrow down to where you, some places you can't even pass anybody. Maybe sometimes you can get two people next to each other, but it narrows a lot. And so what you have to do is establish your position or get into a place because when you've got three people coming down to a spot that holds one, someone is going to lose. And so this, you battle this whole thing out. So we learned what narrow is the way means. And few will get through. <laughs> Not many, few will get through this thing. But we've had that before. You know, we've got a whole lot of people in a room and all of a sudden everybody wants to leave. And narrow is the way to get out. If you're in Philadelphia for a, a sporting event and everybody leaves at the same time, what is looked to be wide roads are now narrow. <laughs> They're not quite as, as, as uh, big as they were before. But he says, narrow, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. If you are pursuing God in a way that has very few rules, very few things to believe, you are probably on the wrong path. Because that's not what he's saying it is. And there are many who go in by it. But narrow, but because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. How many of you have ever said, this Christian walk is hard? It was easier when I was unsaved. Right? Well, I can read the scripture. It says it right there. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So if, if the way you're going is hard, say glory to God. The way I'm on is leading to life. It's leading to life. You're in the right spot. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now this is a particular type of people. These are not people who think that what they are doing is right. These people are folks who know what they are doing is wrong, and if they reveal it to you, you will understand that it's harmful. False teachers are this way. We've talked about it before, but the media is one of the biggest false teachers in the world because very, very few false teachers can get into the homes of Christians like the media can. Well, I've warned you over and over and over again. Beware of these folks. They are false teachers who come in your home to teach you wrong beliefs. You've got to be real careful then. Well, I don't let them influence me. That's not what the Word says. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Now, a prophet is what? Someone who predicts the future, right? How many times has the media gotten the future wrong? In the 60s, they talked about the oceans were going to die. The guy from Cheers got up there and he was uh, doing 20 years, the oceans are going to die. That was in the 60s. We passed the 80s a long time ago. The oceans are doing just fine. In the 70s, I believe they went to global cooling and that didn't work. Then they went to global warming. Then they went back and forth to a couple of different things. Now they're on global climate change because they said global warming. Do you know there has been no measurable global warming? I believe it was tw uh, 12 years or maybe longer. 
And when I mean measurable, they're only measuring in, in fractions of degrees. Now, the president just approved a whole lot of things to do to combat global warming. Do you know by their own stated objectives what it will do? Has anybody looked at that? They have what the president has proposed and will cost us billions per year. It will put a, a weight on our economy and poor people will be paying more for electricity, gasoline, products. Everything will go up as a result of this. And by their own charts, by their own claims, this, this is not something people have put on them. This is what they say. By the year 2066, they would have influenced the global temperature by one degree. Now that's their guess, and when they've guessed before and they've been wrong. Would you not call these false prophets? You see, you think false prophets has to be prophesying something about the Bible. No. Prophesying about the direction of the world, about what we have to do, about disaster. All this, that's, they're false prophets. Don't let them in your home. I don't know if uh, you were there, but um, we have uh, Verizon as a TV provider. And apparently, I don't watch them, but apparently the weather channel was kicked off off of Verizon. And so the Weather Channel was trying to get all the Verizon people to call up Verizon and uh, complain. I you know, had a little spot there for notes, so I put up my note. I said, I'm glad you're gone. I said, it's about time somebody stood up to you all and got you, instead of you guys taking more money for this stuff that you're putting out. So I let them have it. <laughs> as far as I know, I don't have, it's not on our favorites, we don't watch it, but as far as I know, they haven't brought it back on yet. All right, that's good. Keep it off. You don't need that stuff in there, anyway. They are, they are terrible at promoting all that sort of thing. You know the guy who founded the Weather Channel has renounced all this global warming stuff and is one of the proponents against them? I don't know if you knew about that. He's not with them anymore. But the original founder of the Weather Channel was uh, actually is now on the completely other side. So he says, you will know them by their fruits. Well, look at their fruits. False prophets... Stir up dissension, doubt, unbelief, distrust, fear, anxiety. Those are not the fruits of God. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So false prophets are bad, bad trees. They will produce bad fruit. If you eat from them, what will you get? Bad fruit. Don't eat from them. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Just because people go around and claim that they are Christian, just because they say Jesus is Lord, does not mean that's what they believe. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, there's lots of people who tear this apart and figure out, well, why can they do all this? It doesn't matter. Jesus is telling you they can do it. He says, don't judge them by their works. Judge them by their fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. love. Remember, it's singular. Fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, all that comes from love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If you want to find out if it's a false prophet or not, when they get done 
teaching whatever it is they're teaching, saying whatever it is they're saying, predicting whatever it is they're predicting, are you filled with fear, anxiety, worry? Or are you filled with peace, love, joy? What are you filled with? Yeah, you don't need all that stuff in there. Matthew 16, verse 6. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These are religious leaders. He's telling them, Beware of their teaching. Now, you all know the disciples didn't get this the first time. They thought it was because they didn't take bread. And if you read the rest of the passage, you'll find that out. Jesus says, no, not talking to you about bread. Then it says they understood he was talking about their teaching. In Matthew 24, very familiar one to us. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? He just predicted the destruction of the temple. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? He asked, they asked three questions. This is recorded in several Gospels. No Gospel records all three answers. They record two. Some record question one and two. Some record question two and three. But here's three questions that they asked. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? End of the end of the age. Now, before you go any further, you've got to understand the questions. Is, are they asking about the rapture of the church? No, they do not know about a church age, nor do they know about the rapture of the church. Therefore, they can't ask a question about the rapture of the church. What do they know is coming? The second advent, which comes at the end of the tribulation. So all their questions are about when will the tribulation period end and the millennial reign begin? Anyone who tries to get any other answer out of this is false. It's not right. He does not answer any question about the rapture or things leading up to the rapture. He talks about things leading up to the coming of the new age and when Jesus will come and set up his kingdom. So Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. How many times did Jesus say that first off? Be careful that no one deceives you. That tells us first off it is possible for you to be deceived. Secondly, that people are going to try. And third, that you need to be aware of it. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now think about this. Who are they going to deceive? Atheists? Has to be people looking for Christ, right? An atheist is not looking for Christ. If you come and say, I am the Christ, they can say, I don't care. I don't believe that. These are the ones. It's going to be people that are look, not necessarily Christians, but people that are looking for Christ's coming. I mean, all know, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am, the, I am the Christ, and will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. See, no, no fear, no anxiety. When you see these things come up, don't be troubled. When you hear about unrest over in Syria, unrest over in Iran, unrest over in Iraq, that war might break out, what should you do? Don't be troubled. All this is known. And you will hear of wars, rumors, wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in the various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. It means more's coming, folks. 
More is coming. Well, we can keep on going. I love the teaching Jesus does on the end times, but understand this. False teachers are out there. They are going to try and pull you off. They are going to pull you down by what you are looking for. Therefore, they have to know what you are looking for, know what, know how to resemble it in order to deceive you and pull you out. Right? So Jesus teaches us about false teachers. Paul does too in 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Harmanius and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, and they may, they may learn not to blaspheme. So here are some people that were on board with Paul that learned the truth, but it says, have faith and a good conscience, verse 19, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. The people that are a problem are not the folks who don't know the truth or who are ignorant of some truth, but the people who have rejected the truth. Those are the ones you have to watch out for. There are many... How many of y'all know? <laughs> I'm included in this. We do not know all that's in the Word of God. We teach based on all that we do know. But five years ago, you knew less. Ten years ago, you knew less. And you taught some things that were not true. It didn't make you a false teacher. A false teacher is one who rejects the truth. The Pharisees, Jesus called them false teachers, rejected the truth. They saw Jesus and they did what with him? They rejected him. That's what you've got to watch out for. They have suffered, Paul puts it, shipwreck. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, how many of y'all know we're in the latter times? We can all say this. Everybody thinks they're in the latter times. But no one has been in more the latter days than we are. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we are in the latest of the latter days. Now, we don't know how much longer that they're going to keep on going for, but we just know that our latter days are more than what people were in 40 years ago. <laughs> we are closer to the coming of Christ than they were 10 years ago. That's all we know. We don't know how much closer, but we know we are closer. So, latter days, that's us. In the latter times, some will depart from the faith, which means they had to be in the faith. And if you are going to depart, it doesn't mean you are ignorant of truth. It means you reject truth. You cannot depart from faith unless you first accepted it and then rejected it to depart from. That's the only way you can do it. If you uh, went to the grocery, how many went to the grocery store this week? Anybody go? All right, you went to the grocery store. How many of you departed the grocery store? Do you know that you cannot depart the grocery store unless you have gone into the grocery store? You cannot depart the faith unless you have been in the faith. It's just not possible. You can't do it. So these are not people who are false teachers. 
because they never knew the truth. They're not the ones you have to watch out for. The ones you have to watch out for are the ones who know the truth. They know what's true. And they are pitching it in such a way that you don't figure it out. That's why all these news agencies, they know they're always doctoring the videos, changing the audio recordings, mixing things up, mispresenting the facts, or presenting them in such a way that you'll have a certain belief. It's wrong, but they do it. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So just understand this. If we ever come in, if, if, if Pastor Steve ever comes into the church and he says, all right, from here on, we're going to look at the Word of God and no one can get married because Paul said it's not a good idea. So no more marriages. That's wrong. Because it says it right there. If we come in and try and legislate your life, it's wrong. Now think about all the cults that have come up in these last days. And what do they try and do? They legislate your life. They legislate what you want to eat. They legislate what you're going to spend money on. They legislate everything. That's not for a church to do. For every creature of God is good. And nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. So that means you can eat the stuff that you want to eat, right? Yeah. Now, notice this when it regards to eating. This is just sort of a side note. Just wanted to make you... Uh, when it regards to eating, for every what? Creature. It didn't say vegetable. It said creature. Okay? It's, like I said, it's just a side note. I don't know about the vegetables, if they're all good or not, but according to this, <laughs> the creatures are good. So go ahead and eat meat. And nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word and God in prayer. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and the good doctrine that you have carefully followed. So the, all the time that I tell you to stay with the meat, I'm a good minister of the Lord. That's what it says. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 1, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather serve them because those who are benefited as believers and, and beloved teach and exhort these things. Now, there were slaves in those days, and he's teaching the slaves. And we've, you know, of course, um, changed that over. In our day, we, we, we don't have that going on. But in our day, we have... Uh, masters as far as bosses is concerned, but he was talking to people who were slaves. And this is what he said to them uh, to do. Then he goes on, if anyone teaches otherwise, in other words, if somebody comes in and says, you all revolt, don't put up with this, and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud knowing nothing but as obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. Do what? Withdraw, withdraw yourself. These folks that are getting into this, and the news media is a big culprit on this. How many times do they want to get people arguing over words, fussing over stuff that you have no business fussing over? 
Stay away from them. Don't associate with them. Get them away. I've, I've gotten to do I've resigned myself. If I get stopped on the street and a news person wants to interview me, I'll walk away. Don't associate with them. Now, see, a lot of folks will say, well, no, I need to get the truth out to them. They are not interested in the truth. If you talk with them, all they want to do is take what you do and twist it. Remember that person in the pizza parlor? News person comes in. Can I talk to you about some things? And they began to, you know, would you cater a wedding? And they just poured their heart out to them. And they just, you know, just to get the truth out there and, and let people know. And what did they do with that truth? Twisted it, stomped it. Did all, they are not interested in the truth. They know the truth. They know what's true. They're not interested in it. You don't need to talk to them. Did Jesus spend time talking with the Pharisees? They say, you guys are just, let me, let me help you out here with this. Does, does he do that? No, you'll find him more and more resistant as time goes on to the point that he got at the end. He says, I'm going to start asking you some questions. And after that, they didn't ask him any more questions. And that was, uh, that was a little too much for him. Don't feel like you've got to entertain them. How many, now, outside the news media, how many of y'all have people at work that every time you give them something, some truth, they just mock it? What should you do with those fake people? Those kind of people, what should you do? Don't give them any more truth. There's no reason for it. Why should you give them truth if you're just going to mock it? Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before. And that's not calling other people swine. It's just simply saying, don't give something valuable to someone who doesn't see it as valuable. That's all there is to it. If they don't see it as valuable, don't give it to them. You don't have to. There's nothing that says you got to. Just stay. Just go to the people that God says. If they reject you, how does the word of God tell you to handle it? Shake the dust off your feet and go to someone else. Right? Don't quit. Don't quit sharing the gospel. Just go find somebody else. We'll go find somebody else who will take it. And we saw it exemplified in the book of Acts. Didn't they shake the dust off their feet? Shake the dust off our feet. We're going on. And they went on to some other place. And some of those did accept the gospel. Go on to some other places. Now where do we leave off at? Now we got verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Learn to be content. I'll tell you what helps out a whole lot. For we brought nothing into this world... And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, not money. Money will not bring you into evil. It's the love of money. You may have money, you may not have money, but you can have the love of money. For which some, having strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called. And I confess the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So here we have the false teachers, the false doctrine that can come in. And it's a temptation that the enemy comes in and presents what the Word of God calls doctrines of devils. They present doctrines for people to believe for the purpose of gain. 
that they will gain money, they will gain fame, they will gain whatever it is that they will, they will gain something that they don't have if they adopt this, if they take on this particular teaching. And it's not something that we're supposed to be doing. There are people who get on out there and how many of all have, have heard uh, you know, people get up and start prophesying? If you give into this offering, this is a harvest offering. Everyone who gives into this is going to receive a 30-fold, 100-fold. You find that in the Word of God. You find some people do it. Or if you give, you know, I like what Brother Tony Cook said, you know, if you give uh, uh, $2,001 in the year 2001, you know, you, some, these things are going to happen. This is all, all crazy. Of course, um, Brother Tony says that none of them say one dollar. It's, it's, it, it's out there. It's, it's a deception, and they'll have lying signs and wonders. Some things will happen in the meetings, and people will be swayed into these things because they don't know the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Don't get swayed by these things. No preacher, no person has an anointing on their life that if you give into their ministry that certain things will happen. Well, if you give into my ministry, then healing. No, the Bible doesn't talk about healing because you give into the... It talks about healing, but there's an anointing for healing. It talks about the receiver's role and the minister's role. Let's see, we get off on these things. But see, the, the bait has gone out there and people have taken hold of it and they've changed their belief. And they say, in order for this to happen, I have to... To do this, Paul named a couple of people. They went after the world, the things of the world, and they they were told. It was, thought came in: if you teach these things, if you take on these things, this will come about. Don't do it. In Mark chapter five, verse thirty-five, very familiar chapter to us. While he was still speaking, speaking about ending with the lady with the issue of blood, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. Is Jesus spreading fear, worry, and anxiety? No. What is the purpose of the people who came with the message? Can their purpose be anything else but fear and anxiety? to disrupt the belief of this man? Can there be any other purpose than that? Now, here's what, what happens in our, our life. There are people around us. Some might be called friends. Some might be called family. And they come, they have access to your life. They can get into your life. They know some of the things that are going on. And they'll say stuff like, has God really said that? Why trouble God anymore? That's not going to happen. And they begin to come in and they give you, they tempt you to believe something different from God. Now we're talking about submission still. See, submitting to God is to submit to His will. You need to first off find out what the will of God is and then believe it. But you've got to know what the will of God is. You got to. What is the will of God? What is the find out what it? What does the word say? But we're finding out what the will of God is through friend so and so, family member so and so, because they're coming and saying, "Well, I had, I knew somebody who had that, and they died." Appreciate you sharing that. Thank you very much. Encourages me greatly. 
But you see, we get that. Now, that's not the only group of people. How many all know doctors can come in? And they can give you a report. They can say, well, the tests say. They don't give you what the test says. And as soon as you hear the test, you know, you're believing, you're, you're, you're thanking God. And then all of a sudden the test comes in and what happens? That's why we told you over and over and over. And I'll keep saying it over and over because people will still keep coming to me talking about the other way. But do not believe God for good test results. We've said that to people who have put in a prayer request. We will not take a prayer request. Pray, pray that the test result comes back positive or negative or whatever it is that you want. Don't pray for that. Because that, that's not right. That's, that's you praying for, God, I want to see this. What does Jesus say to the people? He said, let us see a miracle. He didn't say very good things about that, did he? No, you don't need good test results. All you need, Brother Shambach. You don't have any trouble? All you need is faith in God. You got that down too, don't you? <laughs> Heard that over and over. I loved hearing him say that. I never got tired of hearing him say that. He could say that every single day in my life. I loved hearing him say that. Now, it meant a lot more to him than it did to me. And I heard the story. Did you ever hear the story behind how he heard that? That was a message delivered to him from an angel, I believe, or from a, a vision he had. I got something that was, it was that strong. And they actually said this to him. You don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. That was delivered to him personally. That's why he says it all the time. I loved hearing that story. That was, that was good. But really, when you think, you don't have any trouble. All you have is, all you need is faith in God. Just believe God. If the test result comes back and the doctor says, you're going to die. Glory to God. <laughs> I know I'm going to die. Eventually. Not yet, though. <laughs> you, just because they come along with that report doesn't mean you have to believe it. Just like in this situation, they came along with a report. Is this not a report? Is this not basically a doctor's report? Who do you think declared her dead? Doctor. Doctor sent a report over here. Doctor report says she's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. That's their part. Doctor report was your daughter's dead. Then they interpret it. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. You're troubled to him. No, you're not. You are not troubled to the teacher. You're not troubled to the Father. He loves you. He cares for you. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid. Only believe. When you hear something come to you, friend, family, foe, doctor, whatever, if it produces fear, guess what? It didn't come from the Father. He's not, going to put, he's not going to give you stuff that's going to produce fear. Yeah, well, Peter was afraid on the water. He was afraid because he listened to the waves and the wind. When he heard what Jesus said, he wasn't. It's a good story we had there this morning. All right. Matthew 16, verse 22. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. This is when Jesus was saying, I'm going to be you know, arrested, beaten, killed, so forth. And Peter took him aside and said, you know what, Jesus, you shouldn't be teaching. Don't be going around saying this is not good. But he turned and said to him, he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When you get something from the kingdom of the enemy, folks, they're not mindful of the things of God. You don't need to, you don't need to be doing these things. He, Jesus is talking about what the will of God is for his life. What was the will of God for his life? 
that he'd be arrested, that he'd be beaten, nailed to a cross, die, raised on the third day. That's the will of God. So anything that came in against it was against the will of God. And so he treated it very sternly, very strongly, even to a friend of his, a very close friend, Peter. How should you treat your friends? I guarantee you, if you answer them in a way like this, they won't keep coming and giving you bad reports. They will stop. Try it. Now here, I'll put this note in your, in your outline. Those who teach false things are either, first, those who don't know any better, like Apollos in Acts chapter 8. Verse 24, now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. We're in the book of Acts. We have more than the baptism of John, don't we? So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They gave him what he was missing. But you see, he received it. And he went on and became one of the greater teach, greatest teach, one of the greater teachers in that day. Remember uh, the writings? Some are, Paul says, some say I'm of Paul. Some say I'm of Apollos. Some say I'm of Peter. He made that list of three. He did pretty well, huh? These are, these are they just don't know any better. A person who is a false teacher is a person who has rejected the true teaching of God. When they hear what is true, no, no, I'm, gonna, no, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not gonna be, and they start in the way of being a false teacher. Even if you do not understand the truth that you are hearing, your spirit would say, that's right. I'm not sure why yet, but I know that's right. We were listening to... Um, uh, Brother Keith, he was talking about, he was in a church somewhere and somebody was up speaking. And as he got started, he wasn't in it very long and he said to his wife, he says, I like this guy. And he, she says to him, how do you know you like this guy? You haven't even heard him teach yet. He said, he's got faith. He's got faith. Yeah, you can, you can, tell, you can tell when someone's right and someone's wrong. Your spirit will tell you. Your spirit will tell you. You come up and say, no, nah, I'm not sure why, but that's wrong. That's not right. This, this is right, or your spirit. Listen to your spirit. It knows. The former, we are to discern their teaching by the word of God. If you have someone who is, uh, who is taking on, just doesn't understand scripture, put it that way. If they just don't understand scripture, take their teaching in light of the word of God. Their spirit is right. What's going on, on the inside is right. They're a person of faith. They just don't know everything that they should know yet. And maybe you know a little bit more and you just take what they're teaching in light of what you know. The latter, we are to discern the Spirit by the Spirit of God. So you've got to pick up the Spirit. A false teacher will have a wrong spirit in them. A person who is just not accurate has a right spirit, just wrong doctrine. You see the difference? Apollos had a right spirit. He just wasn't accurate. But there are people out there, and Paul named a number of them, who their spirit was wrong. The whole spirit was wrong. Now here's the thing. I wrote this in your outline for you. If our beliefs are set to expect the wrong things, our eyes will be set on the wrong direction. 
If our beliefs are set to expect the wrong things, our eyes will be set on the wrong direction. If you allow false teaching to come into your life and you believe it, you accept it, then you will expect the things to come about that the false teaching says. If the false teaching takes you outside of the will of God, then where will you go? You will step outside of the will of God. To be submitted to God means to be submitted to His will. Where do you find His will? In His Word. So if you believe something contrary to His Word, can you be submitted to God? No, we have some unsubmissive, unsubmissive things that are going on there. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> we have, we all, there are parts of the Bible we don't understand. That means we are all susceptible to being out of the will of God and unsubmitted. It doesn't become an, a submission issue until you learn the truth. Once you learn the truth, now you have the opportunity to disbelieve it, to reject it. Up until then, you didn't. But once you have the opportunity to disbelieve it, to reject it, then now you have asserted your will over the will of God. And now you put yourself down on an unsubmitted road. If you are unsubmitted to God, what does the enemy have to do? Nothing. So you see why the devil wants to get these things into you? He wants to steer you in a wrong direction because then he can get you to be unsubmitted. If you're unsubmitted, you can resist him all you want. He doesn't have to flee. He can stay in your life. He can mess with you. You don't want to do that. You want to keep learning the Word of God. It's important that you learn the Word of what the Word of God says. The more you learn, the more powerful of an adversary you are. And he wants to keep you at bay. So what do you do with these people who come in and they give you all these things? Believe what the Word of God says. Believe that you can be like Peter on the water and no matter what the wind and the waves are telling you, you believe what Jesus said. Then you can traverse the waves of this life and seem to walk above the things that pull others down. Well, in James chapter 3, verse 1, just going to read this real quick. We've, we've gone over this before, but My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive the stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. We have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. If you want to find out where you are, we've often said it to you. The Word of God says it. Many people have said it. Listen to your words. Your words are going to target you. If God 
has a will for your life. And how many believe that God has a will for your life? How many believe God has a direction for your life? Then we need to find out what that is and we need to stay on that course. If I am on the course that God wants me on, what does the enemy want to do about that course? He wants to take me off. So he will do that by getting me to believe false things. False things about God and what he wants for my life. How many of you ever ever thought this? Well, I guess God doesn't really want me to succeed. If he did, I would have succeeded by now. I guess God doesn't really want me to be healed. If he did, I would be healed by now. I guess God doesn't really want me to have this. If he did, I would have had it by now. See, that thought comes in. That's not in the Word, but that thought comes in. You ought to have it by now, right? What, what does God want you to do? The, the thing that we've got to do, folks, is find out what is God telling us to do, what has God told us to do, and stay with it, despite what comes against us. Paul was told to go teach the Gentiles faith. And so he did that. Did he face opposition? Did he face uh, shipwrecks that tried to get him off course? And he got back on course. You're going to face things that are going to try and get you off course. You're going to have people come in your life that are going to speak doubtful things. What do you go with? What's your spirit saying? What is your spirit saying to do? And when the enemy comes along and says, you are going to fail, is there any place in the Word of God that says that God will not sustain you, God will not keep you, God will not provide for you, God does not care about you? Doesn't the Word of God tell us something different from that? then anything that comes in goes along uh, or comes in against that is from the enemy. And if you take it and believe it and change your life, change your direction, change what you're doing based on what that thought is, who are you now submitted to? The enemy. And you cannot rule over who you submit to. And so that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us from the path that God would have for us simply by putting the right people in our life, having them speak the right doubt and unbelief, have them get us to challenge certain things, entertain certain thoughts, or to begin to think that we are not going to make it. We will not be a success. That God will not be able to take care of our needs. The economy as such, I won't be able to have a job, continue in the job, get a raise, do things like that. Stop. What does the Word of God say? We need to renew ourselves on the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? What is the purpose that God gave you? And stop thinking that God has to keep renewing His purpose to you every single day or even every single month or even every single year. God does not. If you go through the Word of God, how many times does God give His purpose to people? Most of the time, once. Sometimes, two or three times. If they're stubborn and they're not quite getting it. How many times did the angels appear to Mary? One time. How many times did the angel appear to Joseph? How many times did Paul have that encounter with God? One time. Stop. Going to God. See, the, the enemy comes in and says, well, if God really wants you to do that, he should have told you again. He should have renewed that with you. 
I think he's changed his mind. He doesn't want you to do that anymore, so you should quit. Hmm, maybe I should. I mean, I've been doing that. Hasn't been working. I've been over there at that job. Nothing's really changing. Come on, isn't that right? He wants to get you to... The, the purpose of the enemy is to get you out of the will of God. So if he's coming and attacking the direction that you're on, guess what? <laughs> if you were already out of the will of God, he has no purpose to attack you. Well, amen. <laughs> now you're just thinking about it. That's, that's good. Think on it. Here's it. Has a, has a wrong belief or expectation entered into your life? Has one come into your life? If so, this is putting you in a different direction than God intends for you and bring you into submission to it instead of Him. He's trying to bring you into subjection to it, that lie, that false teaching, instead of Him. But we want to be submitted to Him. Find out what God says. If you have a job and it's going hard, God, you told me to take this job. You put me in this job. I'm going to stay here until you say. If God gives you a release on that job, then get take the release. That's fine. Find out where else he wants to, to say. But don't quit because it gets hard. Remember the verses of Scripture we looked at? Narrow is the way and difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. Just because you're walking the way of God doesn't mean it's going to be easy, folks. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But glory to God. Glory to God. God's there to help us. The Word of God says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of half of them. All of them? Are you sure? How come we don't live that way then? That's how we should live. Expecting God. Go back to the Word of God. Whenever you fall off, feel like you're being distracted from the, the purpose of God, go back to the Word. What does the Word say about you? Oh, God, you said that you would take care of all my needs. Father God, you said you would lead me in the way that I should go. Father, you said you would direct my steps. Glory to God. That's, what it, that's good. Well, this week we talked about what you shouldn't do. <laughs> Next week we'll talk about what we should do to get into that, into that right path and into that right way. But we've got to identify the bad stuff first, clean all that stuff out. And then we can start cleaning it up and getting it going. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you. And there is not a soul on this earth that you do not have a plan for their life. Not everyone will follow it. Not everyone will find it. But you make it available. You've made it available to us. And if we, if we seek it, if we desire it, we will find it. You promised us that in your word. Father, I thank you that you are leading us. You are guiding us every day. And we expect good things. As the world comes and pressures us to conform, as the enemy comes to get us to think on wrong things, as our flesh comes up to get us to yield to temptation, desires, wrong desires, Father, we will combat all of that we will continue in the way of God, the way that you have put us on, knowing that you have a plan and a purpose 
And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.